Thank you for tuning in to the World Overcomers podcast. On behalf of our senior pastor, Andy Thompson, we appreciate your continued support and generosity. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to receive updates when we post new content every week. If you would like more information or want to make a contribution to World Overcomers or Pastor Andy, visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Once again, that is www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Enjoy the message. You may be seated in the name of the Lord, your credit score. Credit score. If I can draw your attention to that verse, verse 6, this is a really famous passage of Scripture. It is echoed in, the, in James's letter, but, but the, the, the passage in verse 6 says, Abram believed the Lord, and God credited it to him as righteousness. Everybody in here has a credit score. Oh, help us. Oh. Everybody in here has a credit score. I'm not asking anybody to shout theirs out. I'm trusting and praying and believing that your credit score is something that you're proud of. But especially as Americans, this idea of credit, this idea of your credit score, this idea of something being credited to you, very familiar, very familiar concept. I love the fact that the passage says that Abram believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. There's all kinds of concepts in the Bible that we try to communicate. So many ways in which the word is, is broken down. Jesus using parables and now I got to try to somehow get you to understand an agricultural reference. But this right here, this is as plain as the nose on your face. Everybody in here understand credit. Credit allows you to buy what you cannot afford. See, a house, it costs $250, $350, $450, $550, $650, 750 You ain't got $750, but you are able to show a number that will then get, make a bank or a credit union give you something that you don't now have to trust you to be able to afford something that you don't have the cash to buy. It's a credit score. And this verse here, this, this passage in Genesis 15 is really what makes Abram the guy. It's what makes him this faith guy. It's what makes him the father of faith. It's what makes faith something so real. It's why we are called the children of Abraham. If we have faith like Abraham, we are the children of Abraham. This, this concept here that Abram believed God and it didn't just turn into results, but it turned into righteousness. I know that we have a tendency to think a lot about faith in terms of faith is the substance of the thing hoped for and the evidence of the thing not seen, and that faith is the thing that you've got to use to get the thing that you don't now have. And so if I don't have it, then I need faith to get it, and I'm expecting, and I'm naming, and I'm claiming, and I'm speaking it into existence, and that without faith, I won't get that thing that I don't now have. I know that's how we've thought quite a bit about faith, and me too. I got you. I'm, I'm with you. Certainly, I've used faith in that way, and right now, I'm believing God for some stuff that I don't now see. Because the minute you see it, you don't need faith for it. So, yeah, I've got some stuff that I'm believing God for. I've got some stuff that only God can do for me, and I do acknowledge that it takes faith for me to receive that. But this passage here is, in essence, saying to us, be careful that you don't just boil faith down just to a result thing. Be careful that your faith doesn't only become whether or not you get something back as a result of what you did. Be careful that you don't see all of this 
too much as strictly an exchange program. Be careful that you don't start to see faith too much as a currency just to get what you want. We got to be careful that in our faith in God, we don't become too much consumers and, and lose sight of the fact that there's something way bigger in this thing than just what you get from God. That it is a short-sighted perspective. It is an immature perspective to only see faith as a currency to receive what you want. He doesn't say Abram believed God and it was credited to him as success or credited to him as, as why he got, no. He, he believed God and what was credited to him was righteousness. That word righteousness means that he got right with God because he believed in God. He got right with God because he believed in God. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase get right with God, but but with the way the way the phrase get right with God has often been used as you got to get right with God. That means you got to do some things different, you got to live your life in a different way, and that's I, I'm not taking anything away from that, but a part of what makes Abram and Abraham and what makes it such a crux, such a, a crucial element of Christianity and why Paul spent so much time talking about it is because he came to the understanding that your works will always fall short. For by grace you have been saved through faith and it's not of yourself, it's a gift of God. It's not by works so that nobody can boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. And it's a righteousness that's not of your own. It's a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. That the thing that Abraham got in the credit score was he got righteousness. And righteousness is God looked at Abraham and said, you cool with me. I don't know if you've ever been in a hookup situation. I don't know if you have ever been the benefiter, the, be, the, the benefiter, the someone who has benefited as a result of the hookup. In case you don't know what I'm talking about, in case I'm using a vernacular that's too old for some of you little millennial babies in here, a hookup means that you've got somebody on the inside who has something that's powerful and you are able to access it simply because you know who they are. When I was a teenager, some of my friends used to work at this McDonald's in downtown Boston where I was from. And I loved to go to that McDonald's. It was in Lafayette Square. I know I'm talking about. I'm, I'm, but I used to go to that McDonald's. My boy Brian, Brian Embry worked at that McDonald's. And I loved taking a girl to the, to the, to the McDonald's that my boy Brian Embry worked because he would have hooked me. I would go and I would be like, is Brian working today? And he be like, yeah, and he would look through the grill, and I would look through the grill, and I'd give him that nod, you know, the nod. The nod says, hook me up. The nod says, it's your boy. I'm about to order a nine-piece nugget, and I need you to stuff about 20 nuggets in that box. I need a heavy box of nuggets. I'm, I'm about to order a medium fry, and I need a super-sized fry in there because I don't have enough to afford it, but I need the hookup. 
I've often told a story of how I was in, in college and I, I had, a, I had a, a, an uncle who really wasn't an uncle. He was a play uncle. He was, he, his name was John Campitelli. He was a white man, John and Joan Campitelli, this white couple that used to keep us when we was kids. And, and they were, they were, it was my, he was my uncle. He was white, but he was my uncle. It was my uncle and I, and they were Italian. And I'm, I woke up in their house and, and, and eating spaghetti and all that. And the real spaghetti, not 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 black people, not, real spaghetti, spaghetti and sauce with meatballs, not this whole thing of meat y'all throw in there. And pour, anyway, and I and it was my uncle John. He worked at Amtrak. He said to me, "Hey, he said, Andy, listen, we're, we're hiring we're hiring college students for the summer." at Amtrak to do something that's a whole great money, what I want you to do is go down in there, and when you get in there, say my name. Say John Campitelli, and they'll give you the job. And I said, all right. But I went down, and I filled out the application. Even though he told me what to do, I was feeling myself. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'm Andy Thompson. I have been to school. I am smart. I'm intelligent. I'm going to apply. They're going to give me this job just because I'm me. I know who I am. And I went down there, filled out the application, got it all done, and I put it in. I'm sitting there meeting with the supervisor, and he said, all right, and we're having a conversation. What do I study in school and this and that? And afterwards, when it got down to the end of it, he said, okay, well, thank you for coming in. We'll let you know. And I got up, got my bag, and started going to the door. And then I thought to myself, wait a minute. Let me see if I can mention my uncle's name. And I said to him, does the name John Campitelli mean anything to you? He said, are you related to John? I said, yeah. He said, why didn't you say so in the first place? And he gave me an ID badge and said, see you Monday morning. Sometimes you're just trying to do way too much in your own name. And you have been given a name... That is above every name, my God. I'm not even sure. If you could simply say the name you know that works and get over your own name, there is a name that will unlock something for you. That's not your name. The idea is credit. I think I'm making my point. The, the, the credit wasn't about whether or not I could do the job at Amtrak. The credit was, did I know the right person? And I think the point I'm trying to make here initially to you, beloved, is you know the right person. The one to know is why you're in this room. The one you to know is why you raise your hands. It's why you pray. It's why you clap. It's why you say something to God. Because really, what it's really about is your relationship with him. Part of the reason why I'm sharing this this morning is because a young man sent me uh, a DM in my Instagram, and he said to me, my faith is just so weak. He said, I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm really struggling, Pastor Andy, and I feel my faith is very, very weak. And I said to him, yeah, but sometimes weak faith is like when you haven't eaten all day, and you feel weak. If you go all day without eating, you go two days without eating. Three days without eating, you'll start feeling weak. The weakness is a result of your faith, of your body not being fed. And if you eat something, your strength will return to you and you'll feel strong again. It's very interesting to me how we will call our faith weak when really what our faith is, is starved. 
I said, if you come to church on Sunday, I'm going to preach a faith message just for you to feed your faith. And in doing so, I'm going to feed somebody else's faith. I'm going to feed my own faith because I need faith as the labors increase. And I come to the understanding that without faith, I won't make it. The idea is that God is so moved by faith. That it gets you a line of credit. This should not be surprising to any of us because there's something about somebody that believes in you. There's something about someone who just trusts you with what you... And there's also something about someone that just don't. And so I want to I wanna take just a minute just to analyze Abraham just a little bit for you all, for this young man who's either in the room or watching. I want to analyze Abraham just a little bit just to help you and me for us to know what this is really about. Because a part of how our faith needs to be fed is we need to understand who God really is trying to be in a relationship with. Unfortunately, we have been lied to. And we have been told that God isn't interested in as many people as he's interested in. But I came to tell you this morning that we can simply look at Abraham and we can realize who faith applies to. Let me analyze him just a little bit. Number one, first of all, Abraham had a relationship with God. You look at the stories, you look at Genesis, you look at the accounts. Clearly, Abraham had a relationship with God. He talked with God. He heard God. He moved because of what he believed God said to him. God changed his name from Abram to Abraham. These are all relationship signs. And his religious practice was based on relationship. We have to be careful that our relationship does not become based on religious practice. We've got to make sure that our religious practice is based on relationship. You ought to be able to pray in here because you ought to pray in your car. You ought to be able to say hallelujah in here because you say hallelujah when you get up in the morning. You ought to be able to say, Lord, I love you in here because you're saying, Lord, I love you in your own house. Can't have more Holy Ghost in here than you have in your home. So that your practice of relationship, your religious practice is based on this relationship that you have with God. You're on your way to heaven. I don't know what you're going to do when you get there if you don't know what it's like to have a relationship with him. And so when we look at the way that Abraham functioned, it is clear that this was not just church. This was not just religion for him. He didn't have his name changed. He didn't change his own name and change his wife's name as a result of religious fervor. He did not move from Ur because he heard a really great message. He had an encounter with God. I'm, I'm just praying that every one of you will have an encounter with God. I'm, I'm sorry. I know I'm church. I know it's a church thing. I know I'm a pastor. But my prayer for you is that God will speak to you in the night season. And God will give you dreams and visions. And I, I pray that you'll hear God talking to you. I pray that the word will come to you. I pray God will confirm his word with signs following. I pray that you'll start seeing things everywhere you look and turn. And your little heathen toddler will start saying stuff to you. And you'll realize God is trying to get your attention. It's got to be way bigger than just you coming here together. And when you are in your own Bible and have your own relationship with God and you come in here and I confirm something God said to you, it's a whole nother story altogether. Ain't nobody just trying to get a word for you. I'm trying to confirm a word that God has already said to you. You better tell me something to hear. 
when I turn to a scripture and you've been reading it, you know that you're in his will and I'm in his will. That's how you know I'm a man of God because I'm talking about something that you were talking about in the car. But you can't be a heathen all week and then come in here and think I'm going to give you a word. No, the word is confirmed, my God. The word is confirmed. It is confirmed by the God you know. As a matter of fact, you know what? When your miracle takes place, I speak this. When your miracle takes place, I want you to say, I knew I knew him. I knew I, I knew I knew him. I knew I knew him. I knew he was talking to me. I knew I wasn't crazy. They told me I was crazy, Ma. But I knew that God was talking to me. Whatever you do, have a relationship with God. Whatever you do, don't let the church become a hindrance to your relationship with God. Whatever you do, don't let the constructs of man stop you from knowing God for yourself. God said, you will find me when you seek with me, when you seek me with all your heart. You don't have to be an American to know God. You don't have to be white to know God. You don't got to be black to know God. You don't have to be anything to know God. Cry out to him. Call out to him. I dare you. The Bible says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God don't just hear, but he don't just hear Christians. He hears anybody. Can I get a witness in the building? Can anybody be honest and say, oh, I was a buck wild heathen and I called on the name of the Lord and he heard my cry. I love the Lord. He heard my cry and he didn't just hear me when I was right. He heard me when I was not right. I found out for myself that I didn't have to jump through all those hoops, Elder Clark, for me to know him for myself. I found out that I could know him for myself. I found out that he was alive because I started talking to him. I found out that he was real because I have a relationship with him. Number two, y'all going to love this. I love this. Number two, the second thing about Abraham was Abraham was not a preacher. Abraham was not a preacher. Let me set everybody free from every prop lie and every prophecy that made you think that somehow it's only going to work if you're in the ministry some way. It's not the case. Abraham was a businessman. And Abraham's measure was money. Oh, I speak that over everybody. The way that Abraham knew if stuff was working or not was how blessed was he? How much land did he have? How much property did he have? How much goats and herds? How much did he have? Abraham was called a prophet because of his ability to see something that had not been seen and to walk by faith. But don't get it twisted. Abraham's not a church. He don't have a church. He is not a preacher. He is somebody that has a relationship with God that's not in the clergy. So just know it is absolutely possible for you to be you and have a relationship with God. It is absolutely possible for you to be you and get a prayer through. It's absolutely possible for you to be you and for you to have faith in God and it make a difference in your life, in your situation, in your arena, in your area, in your marketplace. Abraham was not a preacher. Number three, Abraham left good for the possibility of great. He was in Ur, and it was pretty good, but the possibility of great made him hungry for great. Abraham was somebody that good was nice, but good was not enough. Now, if that's you, then that really resonates with you. Because if you're somebody that's somewhere deep inside, you know that it ought to be better. You know that you ought to have more than this. You know that this should not be how it is. And folk are trying to tell you just to be all right with what you got. But deep down inside, you know, oh, no. God's got to have something better for me than this. And I'm actually willing to leave good for the possibility of great number four Abraham 
was shrewd. Quiet on this point. Abraham was shrewd. He was he had wisdom. He was balanced. He knew how to fight. He knew how to lie. He knew how to survive. I'm going to sit down on this point. We don't talk about this a lot, but he knew how to fight. They came and took Lot in his possessions. He got his mighty men, his, his armed men trained to fight because you can't be a real somebody if you don't know how to fight. Prayer ought to be a way you fight your battle, but you also ought to have some skills and some abilities and some strengths. God don't like no punks now. I know we don't talk about this a lot, but Abraham told some lies. Now, I'm going to leave that alone, but, but I'm just going to say, you can't tell everybody everything all the time. Abraham knew how to survive in the tough situation. A drought and a famine didn't bother Abraham. He wasn't so stuck that he couldn't move and adapt. Thank you. He couldn't adapt and make a move to survive. Abraham had drama in his life. I'm speaking that over everybody that's got drama besides me. Let me just speak drama free in 2023. Mm, Lord, rebuke the drama. Ah! Abraham had drama. You don't know. You just ain't reading the Bible. Abraham had his, his nephew Lot with him. And so you know, family stuff, oh, help us Holy Ghost. Abraham had Sarah, and then they couldn't have a kid. And then Hagar came in here. And then when Hagar ended up pregnant, let me just leave this alone. Hey, Abraham had a lot going on. He had to be shrewd. His life wasn't simple. His life wasn't simple. He had folk he loved. He found himself torn. And he had to have wisdom to function. Just because you saved and just because you know God and just because you have a relationship with him and just because you have faith don't mean you're not going to have no drama. So for all of us that got drama, it's okay. Abraham had some drama. Number five, Abraham was wealthy. Abraham was wealthy. Abraham was a CEO. Abraham was free. People worked for him. Number six, Abraham had faith and patience. Obviously, Abraham believed, but he also believed for a long time. Now, this is a word to all of us who have got something that we are believing God for that ain't here yet, and it's taken longer than five years. I almost want to ask who that is, but I already know it's just about all of us. Well, I've been believing God for this, and I've been trusting God for this, and I almost want to give up on it. I almost want to let it go, but I refuse to let it go. Because number seven, my seventh point, is that Abraham had a need. He had a need. He has a relationship with God, but he still has a need. He has faith, but he still has a need. He has money, but he still has a need. He's shrewd, but he still has a need. In Genesis 15, the Lord appears to him in a vision and says, Abram, I'm your shield. I'm your very great reward. In essence, God is saying to him, Abram, I got your back. I got you. It's hookup time. I'm your shield. I'm your reward. It's not the stuff that's your, that's your reward. It's me. 
It's not the things. It's me. It's not the money that's going to protect you. It's me. It's not the position that's going to protect you. It's me. I'm your shield. I'm your reward. And Abram's response is lovely. It includes all of us. It is honest because he says, Lord, that's really great. Like, thanks a lot. Like you told me this before. You're my shield. You're my reward. Got you. Here's my problem. What will you really do for me when I remain childless and Eleazar of Damascus is about to be my heir? And I'm not trying to make you upset, but let me go further and just blame you. You ain't gave me no kids yet. So that all sounds nice, but it all sounds like noise if the one thing I ask of you, if there's one thing I desire from you and I don't got that one thing, everything else is nice, but I need what I need. If this message has blessed or encouraged you, feel free to visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast and learn more about WOCC or donate to the ministry. This enables us to continue to impact the kingdom in the best way possible. It's all wonderful, but what can you really do for me when the one thing that I really want from you is still undone. I don't know if you've ever been in this situation. I don't know if you're in this situation right now. But I'm trying to speak a word of faith to you and to me and every single one of us because it is possible to be blessed and still have a need. It is possible to have money and still have a need. It is possible for all kinds of stuff to be going amazing and there's still one thing that you have desired of the Lord and you don't have that thing. And I love the fact that Abraham said to the Lord, I mean, thanks, but right now you can give me more, but what am I going to do with the more you give me if the one thing I need is seed? You've given me no children. I don't have any kids. And that's the thing that matters to me the most. And the Lord says to Abram, get up. I love the fact that he got up. He said, go outside. I love the fact that he went outside. I love the fact that even in his despair, he still was ready to be obedient. The Lord said, go outside. And he went outside. He said, look up in the stars and count them if you can count them. Count them if you can count them is a little bit of an attitude. God had a small little attitude with him for calling him out on the fact that he ain't moved yet. Because the Lord is saying, just because I ain't done it yet, don't mean I'm not going to put it. Just because it hasn't happened yet, don't mean it's not about to take place. It may be taking a little bit longer than you thought it was going to take. But I know what I told you I was going to do. Go outside and count the stars if you can count them. So shall your offspring be. And Abram believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And this is why I read 1 Corinthians 13, because I know you Bible theologians and scholars and folks who are watching me online are wondering, well, how are you going to connect these two passages, Bishop? Because you're supposed to rightly divide the word of truth, and in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. I hear you, Bishop. I'll tell you how I'm going to connect them. I'm going to connect them because life is imperfect. Life is imperfect. It's just a fact. Paul is saying in verse 8, well, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there is tongues, they will be still. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, all of the imperfections shall be done away with. 
And when I was a child, I talked like a child, and I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. But when I became an adult, I put the childish stuff behind me. In my immaturity, I expected perfection out of life. Beloved, I've got a word for you and me and all of us. Life ain't perfect. No such thing as a perfect life. No such thing as a perfect wife. No such thing as a perfect husband. No such thing as a perfect child. God help us. No such thing as a perfect job. No such thing as a perfect church. If you're looking for perfection, you're looking for the wrong thing. There's no such thing as a perfect word. There's no such thing as a perfect prophetic word. There's no such thing as a perfected knowledge. Knowledge is always partial. Every time we think we know something, we end up finding out we know something else. Give us another year. Who knows how we'll be calling people on a phone in our brain. Who knows what will be happening because our technology is ever growing. We think we know, but you don't really know. You think you have knowledge, but honestly, your knowledge is partial. You think you got a prophetic word, but your prophetic word is partial. You think you're hearing a word right now, and you are, but it's partial. Because you're partial, and it's going through the filter of your brain, and I'm partial, and it's coming out these partial lips. There's no perfect. There's no perfect preacher. There's no perfect singer. There's no perfect person. Just stop being let down when you find out they ain't perfect. Everybody think their child is perfect till you find out they not. They were showing you they weren't perfect from the beginning when they were giving you bags of crap for you to handle. My point is, is that there is no perfection and the expectation of perfection is a sign of immaturity. Paul is saying, yeah, when I was a child, I talked perfection. When I was a child, I thought things could be perfect. When I was a child, I reasoned everything into being perfect. But when I became an adult, I had to put that off me. Beloved, it don't fall off. You have to put it off. There are some things that fall off and you wake up and you lose the naivete of your youth. But there are some things that hang on. There's an expectation of perfection that you must let go of. There's no perfect government. There's no perfect president. There's no perfect law. There's no perfect system. There's no perfect life. When I was a child, I thought that I could get perfect. I, I talked like I was going to have perfect. My church going to be different. My ministry going to be different. My marriage going to be different. Well, that's how your teenagers are. But my teenagers is going to walk on water and speak Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Because you don't know what you're doing. I thought that till I grew up. Then I had to put the childish ways off because if I held on to them, then I would not become wise. That's why he's saying in verse 12, for now we, so, we see only as a reflection in a mirror, meaning the, the sight is dim. The King James Version says, in a glass darkly. They didn't have perfect mirrors like we got now. For now we see only as in a glass darkly. Then we shall see face to face. Gentlemen, you ever been in a dark room? Where's, where's, I'm half my church's man. Where's the dudes at? You ever been in a dark room? You know what I'm saying? And it's 
and, and you know, maybe it's a club or whatever. I, there's these places called clubs for all you saved people. And, and you're in there, and you're like, oh, and maybe you've had a few. You know what I'm saying? Uh, when you have a few, everybody look cute. And you see something and you're like, oh, yeah. And you come over and you're, ah, 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 and you're feeling it until you get in the light. And when you get her in the light, you're like, wow, look what the Lord has done. It goes both ways, girls. You know, you you know you done seen somebody and you're, you're like his feet are big, but you didn't realize that the big feet went with a scary face. And it wasn't until you got into the light. He's saying, that's how your sight is. You ever see somebody from a distance and you're like, oh, they look cute. And then when you get up close, you're like, oh. I just came to say, bless the Lord. I just came to just welcome you to church and just hallelujah, okay? Keep on coming, my sister. I'm a part of the follow-up team. Hallelujah. What I'm saying to you is, in essence, Paul is saying, yeah, that's how your perspective is. That was God right there. I'm claiming that. In other words, you don't know what you're talking about. Tell somebody, you don't know what you're talking about. Come on, tell, tell somebody, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. Stop talking so cocky. Stop talking so hard. Stop talking so sure. Stop talking so... Yea, and the Lord would say, stop it. Just stop it. Tell everybody you had a dream. Well, I had a dream. And the Lord spoke to me. Them dreams could be Cheerios. Them dreams could be the Holy Ghost. Them dreams could be roast beef. Pizza will give you a dream. I love it when a dude comes to me, Ray. I love when a dude comes to me and says, oh, yes. And the Lord, it was God. As soon as I saw her, God said, this is the one. And then when I meet her, she's so cute. I'm like, that ain't God. It don't take God when they cute. You're carnal like everybody else. Oh, it was the Holy Ghost. What I'm saying to you is stop it. Just stop it. You don't know what you're talking about. But I'm 31, right. But I'm 18 now, right. But I'm 23, wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. Y'all know who I'm talking to over there. These, these two dudes who live with me. You don't, you don't know. You don't, you don't, y'all don't, you don't, y'all don't, y'all don't know them. Y'all, 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 y'all don't know them. You don't know what you're talking about. Suck your chest back in. Stop sticking your chest out your jacket. You don't know what you're talking about, boy. You don't know what you're talking about. Stop talking like you know. Anybody in here remember when you was 23? Didn't you think you knew? How about 33? What would you do for a time machine? You would cut off that pinky toe. Yes, you would with this little gnarly nail. You would cut that pinky toe off. Yes, you would. I'd do anything for a time machine right now. Oh, I'd go back and talk to myself. Who am I talking to? Oh, my Lord. I'd talk to myself at 40. You don't know what you're talking about. I want to make this point clearly. Now you know in part. Then you will know fully, even as you are fully known. So now... These three remain. I said all of this to say this. These three remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest is love. Now, faith there means confidence. It's pistis. It means I'm confident. 
It means I know. I'm confident. I know. Faith equals confidence. I know it's about to happen. I know that's about to take place. I know I'm about to do this. I know we about to get it. I know I'm going to get this job. I know it like I know my name. And it don't matter what happens around me. I know I'm going to get it. That's faith. Hope is I expect things to get better. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm expecting something greater. And love is loyalty. Limitless loyalty. Rain on us. So faith says, y'all are coming to church today. I know y'all are coming. I know you're going to be in here. I know you're going to watch. That's what faith says. Hope says, hope y'all come to church. Love says, it don't matter who comes. I love him. I'm doing it because I love him. I'm doing it because I'm with him. I'm doing it because I'm in a relationship with him. Faith says, I'm definitely going to get this scholarship. Hope says, I'm going to go try out because I'm I'm, they're going to see me what I can do and they're going to like me and I'm going to walk on and I'm going to get this because I have an expectation of better. Love says, I just love the game. Faith says, I'm going to write this song and everybody going to sing it. Hope says, I'm going to sing this song and I hope people like it. Love says, I love to sing. I love to play. I love my music. Faith says, this is about to be the most amazing husband, wife ever in the world. Hope says, I hope they ain't crazy. Love says, just love this person even when I find out they not perfect am I teaching anybody anything in here faith hope and love and the greatest is love and the thing that I want to suggest that I want to leave you with is the faith that Abraham had that was credited to him as righteousness is all three of these. We made a mistake by trying to get you to think that this faith that Abram had and Abraham had is the Greek New Testament definition of faith. I would contend that Abraham was confident and hoped and just loved God. I'm contending that what Abram had that was credited to him as righteousness was he had faith that God would give him a child. He hoped the reason why he got this honest with God in Genesis 15 is because his faith was weak. So he's hoping that God will hear him and hoping that he can bargain with God and say, Lord, that's great, but what can you do for me when I still remain childless? If he had the kind of faith that we say we're supposed to have, he never would have had this conversation. He never would have got this honest because he would have had to be faking it and naming it and claiming it. And I can't say it. And I name it and I can't speak it. I'm afraid if I speak the doubt. No, no, no. That, that actually real relationship with God is I have faith. That he's going to give me a child. I sure do hope it's about to happen. But you know what? I'm going to be with him either way. Either way, I'm still with you. That my loyalty to God is limitless. That now abides these three. Faith, hope, love. The greatest of these is love. And the thing that is credited as righteousness is not just absolute confidence. God doesn't just like absolute confidence. God also likes some real serious hope. So if you aren't in the most confident place, it's okay. That doesn't mean you don't have faith. 
If right now you're just hoping you get the job, if you're just hoping they see you, if you're just hoping you're noticed, if you have an expectation that just because this is where you are now does not mean this is where you're going to end up. If you are right now saying, I may be here now, but I sure am hoping I'm going ready to apply. I'm getting ready to do this. I've been through so much. I don't know if I'm confident, but I sure do hope. God loves some hope. And the thing that is credited as righteousness is, but I love the Lord. I love him. He loves me. I have a relationship with him so that when things aren't perfect, it's okay. Because he makes the crooked straight. He makes the rough places plain. He actually has done something for me that I couldn't even imagine he would do it. He's been better to me than I've been to myself because he's even made the stuff I messed up work out, my God. He's even taken my stuff and my things and how I blew it. And you know what? He loves me so much. This is why I love him. How much I owe him because he even took the stuff I did wrong and he made it right for me. He made all things work together for the good. Matter of fact, he blessed me when I had lost all my faith. He blessed me when I didn't think it was going to happen. He blessed me when I was lost. He blessed me. And this is why I love him. And this is why he loves me. He loves me because I'll praise him no matter what. He loved me because in the good time, I say hallelujah. And in the bad time, I'll say to God be the glory. He loves me because even if I tell you it's going to work out and it don't, and you come to ask me well, what happened, I'll say yeah. But it just because that didn't happen don't mean God don't have something better for me. I always believe God is about to make a way for me. I am his fan. I just like God. He just liked me like that. He liked me because I like him. I like him because he liked me. I like him because he got favor on me. I love him because he does stuff for me. I love him because he don't treat me as my sins deserve. I love him because as far as the east is from the west, he has removed my transgressions from me. I love him because he died for me. Living, he loved me, died, and he saved me. I love him because he's God like that. I love him because he's doing stuff because he's God. He's not just doing stuff because I'm right. He's bigger than me. His ways are not my ways and his thoughts are not my thoughts. And he has a way of doing things and he takes the weak things and makes them strong. And now let the weak say I'm strong. Let the poor say I'm rich. And I wonder if anybody's got faith like that. I wonder if anybody's got a faith like that. I wonder if anybody right in here is saying, oh, no, that's the God I serve. And the God I serve is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above anything I could ever ask or think according to the power that's at work within me. And you better watch out how you talk about me. And you better be careful what you say to me because God like me. And I like him. And he's my friend. And there's favor on me. Anybody got favor on them in this room? Favor. I'm speaking favor right now. I'm speaking favor. I'm speaking favor. I'm speaking for the hookup. Oh, hallelujah. I'm believing for the hookup right now. I'm believing that God's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. My prayer is this week, this week, something about to break for somebody in this room. This week, God is about to do something on your behalf. You better receive it. It is not about what you do. It's about who he is. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is able. Now, Lord, I thank you right now for a word. And I thank you for feeding our faith. Thank you that our faith is increasing. But, Lord, thank you that we've come to the understanding 
that faith really is relationship with you. Now abides these three, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is the love. So we love you because you first loved us. You've demonstrated your own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so God, right now, we believe you for greatness. We believe you for blessing. Lord, we are fighting the good fight of the faith. We're fighting to take hold of that for which you took hold of us. God, we're believing you. And we believe that you're going to credit it to us as righteousness. So have your way. Make a way in this room. Make a way in the rooms that are watching around the world. Thank you for jobs and better jobs. Thank you for benefits. Thank you for blessings. Thank you, Lord God, for inheritances. Thank you for surprises. Thank you, Lord God, for refunds. Thank you, Lord God, for debt cancellation. Thank you, Lord God, for, for student loans being canceled. Thank you, Lord God, that you are going to do a miracle. Thank you for that job. Thank you, Lord God, for that position that's about to come. Thank you, Lord God, that the offer is going to be more than we thought. Thank you, Lord God, for the sales and the commissions. Thank you, Lord God, for the property. Thank you for the breakthrough. Thank you that you're able to do exceedingly. Thank you that you're able to do exceedingly. Thank you that you're able to do greater. We put our life in your hands. You do all things well in Jesus' name. Now, if you believe your hands, if you believe God for that, put your hands together. Somebody bless the Lord. Come on, y'all bless him, bless him, bless him. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody, come on. Can you give God a real praise for that word? I don't know if you, I don't know if you understand, but the prophet just stood at the, up at the end. The, the, the degree to which you receive a word, come on, let's give God praise for a word. Come on, come on. Come on, if you receive that favor is about to hit your house, come on and give God praise. If you believe that favor is on its way to your address, Come on, come on, say, I received that word. I received that word in Jesus' name. Listen, you may be seated real quickly. Were you blessed by that word today? Come on, were you really blessed by the word today? Listen, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the word, not just with the clapping of your hands, but with sowing into the good ground of this ministry. I believe that when a word, a specific a prophetic word like that was, that was given today, how you respond to it immediately determines the degree to which that word will be active in your life. And so I want to challenge somebody to sow into Victory Park today with your best seed. We're not going to tell you what to give, but you know the degree. That was a premium word that will change your life. Anybody believe that? Amen. So I want you to sow your best gift right now. If you would, scan that QR code on the screen. If you want to give a, a physical gift, you can do that. If you want an envelope, you would. Raise your hand, and we are going to get seed in the ground. I heard somebody say a long, long time ago that rain only matters to those that have what, y'all? Seeds in the ground. Rain is a nuisance to everybody else, but people that have seed in the ground, oh, yeah, that means I'm going to have a good crop. Amen? So I want to invite you today, just as it's raining outside, get seed in the ground today so that God can produce a harvest in your life. Amen? Amen. Just want to remind everybody, next week is bring your peeps, right? Bring somebody with you to church next week, particularly our children. We're having things that are specifically catered to them as we are uh, approaching Easter. But we want you to invite somebody to come with, with you. Uh, fill your row. Fill your row. Look to your left and your right. I want you to fill a seat. And those that are watching us online, come and join us if you're in the greater Raleigh-Durham area. Amen. They are passing the buckets now. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you glad that you came to church today? Amen. Our first-time guests, would you raise your hand so we can, we can recognize you, our first-time guests? Thank you so much. Come on, word overcomers. Let's make them feel welcome. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. I see hands back there. Pray that you were blessed. Pray that something was said. God bless you, sir. We have a gift immediately. If you go to our connection kiosk immediately outside of these doors uh, and let them know that you're a first-time guest, we have a gift for you today for no other reason than being our, fir our first-time guest today. We want to show appreciation for you coming. 
and get some information into your hand. If you have been dating us and you want to make it official, you want to be a member, we had a great new members class today that I taught. If you want to be a member today, I want you to go to the Connection Care and say, hey, I want to join this church and I want to push, uh, push Pastor Andy's vision forward. Amen. The buckets are still passing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Great, great. Come on, if we could, let's stand to our feet. Amen. Now, do, now, do yourself a favor. Go back online and watch this message over again. It was so many nuggets that we can't catch it all in real time. But through the, through, through the advancement of technology, we can get our, our pen and our pad out and we can write those notes down. Amen. And we can apply those things. The word, the, the word is of none effect if we don't apply it in our lives. So we want you to do that on this week. Come on, let's raise our hand. God, we thank you for this day. On this rainy day, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you have reigned in this sanctuary with your presence, with your power. And most of all, God, you've reigned in this place with wisdom through the word of God. Now, God, we thank you, Lord, that we all have been good ground for the seed of the word to be sown in today. So we ask you right now, Lord, that as we leave this place, Lord, we don't leave your presence, but it goes with us in our car, in our homes, on our jobs tomorrow. And we thank you, Lord, for the most blessed blessed week that we have ever had full of favor full of miracles full of grace because you are God and God alone and you favor us and we thank you Lord for favoring us despite what we have done and what we have not done we thank you Lord for being your favorites God Lord keep us bless us and make miracles happen in our lives this week it's in Jesus name that we pray amen and amen God bless you we'll see you next week Hopefully you were blessed and encouraged by this message. Visit www.worldovercomers.church podcast for more information on WOCC and events that are coming up. Maybe we are coming to your area soon. God bless.